Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Amen. The word of God for our meditation this Christmas Eve is taken from St. John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is the word of our God. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, people loved by our God. John 3.16, the big one, the granddaddy of them all. God so loved the world. These are perhaps the best known and the most loved words in the entire Bible. Words that many Christians, maybe even most Christians, know by heart. These words are very dear to us. They are words that we cling to, words that we believe with all our hearts. We hang these words on the walls of our homes, and we share them on social media, and we even, in cases, tattoo them on our skin. Precious words. God so loved the world. But at times, it sure seems like God doesn't love the world. I mean, sometimes it seems like God couldn't love this world. I mean, this world is a mess. We watch it on the evening news. We read it in our newspapers. We can see it out our front windows. Hate and hurt and abuse. Lying and cheating and stealing. Jealousy and arrogance, greed and injustice, lust and perversion of every kind, sins that until recently would have been unthinkable are now accepted, advertised, and even applauded. God loves this, this hot mess of a world? Well, stop for a second. It's not just the world that is a mess. It's not just somebody else. It's not just out there. It's in here. We're a mess, too. You don't have to go far to see it. Just look in the mirror. Just listen to the sound of your own voice. Angry words that cause hurt deeper than any physical wound ever could. Friendships ruined by stubborn jealousy. Broken promises. Trust destroyed. Loneliness, fear, depression, regret. In the great pursuit of happiness to which we are all often in, we just have this knack, we human beings, for causing pain to each other. And we seem to have no knack for loving each other in a way that could be described as selfless. And God loves us, miserable sinners like you and me, Yes. Yes, he does. Jesus says that God loved the world. He loves the whole sad, quivering, broken mass of humanity. Every last man, woman, and child. My friends, that God loves the world means that by definition, he loves you and me because we are part of the world. Nobody's left out. God loves all. God loves all. Isn't that surprising? I mean, that, that God loves you and that God loves me? Shocking might be a better word. 
I mean, who could love someone who has done the things that we have done? Who could love someone who has said the things that we have all said? Who could love someone who has thought the thoughts that we have thought and desired the desires that we have desired? Well, God can. And God does. Maybe you're still not convinced. Maybe you feel unloved. Maybe you feel unappreciated, uncared for. Maybe you feel like you don't have a true friend in the whole world. Maybe you're thinking to yourself that if you were gone, nobody would even notice. Maybe you even are thinking to yourself that not even God can love the likes of you. If so, you're wrong. God loves you. Jesus said so. God so loved the world. Okay, so what? Talk is cheap. I mean, people say things all the time that they don't really mean, right? Politicians make promises all the time, and then they get elected, and they are unable to follow through on those promises, or perhaps they never really intended to in the first place. Friends say, I'm here for you, and then, well, aren't. Husbands say it to their wives, wives to their husbands, parents to their children, I love you. But then actions or lack of actions say something very, very different. So how can you be sure that God loves you? Because he gave. And what did he give? A beautiful family, a brand new car, a cabin on a lake. Those are all really nice things. What did he give? Peace and well-being, security and satisfaction, health and prosperity. Those are wonderful blessings too. Most of us have some of those blessings. Few of us have all of them. But even if we did, even if we had every earthly benefit that our little hearts could desire, there would still be something missing, something really, really important. What is that big missing piece? What did God give? He gave his one and only Son. Who ever heard of such a thing? If you had ten sons, if you had twenty sons, you would not give up one of them to save another person. It just would not happen. This is a completely unrealistic example. But imagine that your son is in the hospital. He's getting over some disease that he had. He's been, it's been cleared up. The doctor comes in one day with his clipboard and he says, well, it looks like everything's all taken care of. I, I think we can discharge you. But one thing I wanted to ask you first. Down the hall, there's a young man who's dying. He desperately needs a heart transplant. Would you consider him giving your healthy son's heart to that young man so that he could live? I, I know it means your son will die, but it means that this young man will live. Who would agree to such a thing? Who would be willing to make that kind of a sacrifice? Your God would, and your God did. And that's why we're here tonight, because God was willing to make that sacrifice. That little one lying in the manger is God's gift to you, the greatest gift that has ever been given. Now, as gifts go, he doesn't look like much, does he? I mean, he's not sparkly or shiny. Just a few pounds of flesh and blood and bone, all scrunched up and wrinkly and blotchy skinned like newborns tend to be. He isn't wrapped up in the purple linen of the rich and the royal. No, he is wrapped in 
the filthy rags, the swaddling clothes of the poor. His first cradle was not ordered from Neiman Marcus. It was borrowed from the ox and the donkey. His first nursery was not resplendent with a nice mobile hanging from the ceiling and a changing table and a video monitor to take care of him. No, no, none of those things. It was most likely a dark and a dank cave, a cave that was used for the housing of animals and so probably had a lot of manure on the floor. And his first visitors were not important people like actors or actresses or ambassadors or senators or anything like that. Just some shepherds. Shepherds who were probably smelly from doing their job and had just had the biggest scare of their lives. When you hear it that way, it doesn't sound like that much of a gift, right? Just a baby. I mean, they're born every day, all the time. But not like this. You see, in that manger, in that humble feeding trough, is not just a baby. That baby is also God himself. That baby is the divine in human flesh. That baby is the Almighty, but humbled and weak, to be the sinner's substitute. That's why he came, and that's what he did. He took our place. That little baby grew up. He grew from a baby to a boy to a man. And in all his years walking this earth, he lived obediently. He never sinned, not even once. He is holy and perfect. And then God's perfect, holy Son became sin for us. He took all the blame for your sin. He took all the blame for my sin. He took the entire sin, all that guilt of the world, on his shoulders. And he carried it to the cross where he shed his blood, where he made that sacrifice God was willing to make. A sacrifice so big and so wonderful and so valuable and so powerful that it actually pays for the sins of all people of all time. Remember, God so loved the world. That little baby did for you what no one else could, least of all, you. He willingly went from the cradle to the cross to the grave for you to pay for your sins, to repair your broken relationship with your God, to make it so that your heavenly Father can now say to you, I forgive you every sin, and I always will. Friends, I don't care what you unwrap around the tree later this evening or tomorrow morning, even if he went to Jared, even if you go out to the garage and there's one of those Lexuses with a big red bow on top. Nothing that you could receive will hold a candle to this gift. This gift gives life. This gift offers hope. This gift brings pardon and peace that will never, ever end. Too good to be true? Nope. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's God's rock-solid promise to you. Eternal life. What could be better than knowing that when your heart stops beating, when you leave this life, that God is going to be waiting for you with open arms to welcome you into heavenly glory, and it will be glorious. No more hate or hurt or helplessness. No more loneliness or fear. No more sickness or sorrow. No more disappointment or depression. No more death. No more sin. No more mess. Just peace and rest 
and joy and light and beauty and music in the presence of your God forever and ever. You know, these words before us tonight are so familiar that it would be easy for us to take them for granted. We've heard them so many times. Someone even goes as far to say is that these words have become kind of cliche. I disagree wholeheartedly. They are among the most beautiful words that have been ever, ever been spoken, and they are worth hearing again. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God said that, and he meant it. It is his gift to you. My friends, Merry Christmas, and glory to God in the highest. Amen.